0: Good afternoon to my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 60 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on this Sunday, August 23rd, 2020. Let's get things started by, as always, giving our shout-out to the Team Left Jab United Radio Network, as well as Grunt Talks MLB. First up, as always, Team Left Jab, they feature Team Left Jab Uncensored and the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. Go follow Team Left Jab on all social media platforms at Team Left Jab and check out their great sports content across anywhere that you find podcasts. On Apple, Spotify, Blog Talk Radio, you name it, the list goes on. Be sure to check out Team Left Jab. And our other shout out goes to Grunt Talks MLB. Visit their website, grunttalksmlb.com, to see all of their baseball content and where they feature Yapping Yankees. Also follow the main man behind the web Website Darren on Twitter at Yankee Report 28. Special thanks to Grunt Talks MLB and Team Left Jab for helping spread the word every week about yapping Yankees. And also, don't forget, guys, that you can help spread the word about yapping Yankees every week as well, and stay updated on everything having to do with both me and the Yankees by following me on all social medias, follow my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. follow me on Twitter at MikeScudero, and on Instagram as well at MikeScuds97. Guys, I am not going to dodge the main subject matter today. I know you have all been anticipating the hell out of this show after the week the Yankees just had. Between what I consider to be one of the most insufferable regular season series in recent memory against the Tampa Bay Rays, making the series against them at the Trop a couple of weeks ago seem like it was actually an enjoyable experience. And, of course, the Yankees once again collapsing harder than the Roman Empire when it comes to injuries, yet again. And to put the cherry on the cake, because yes, I'm not done yet, the Subway series that was supposed to be seeing its third and final game being played, actually right now as I record, it's just past one in the afternoon as I'm taping at the moment, was cancelled because one player and one staff member on the Mets both tested positive for COVID. And of course, I hope they're okay. But this week, other than the Yankees completing the four-game sweep of the Red Sox last weekend, which we'll get to later, along with the games against the Rays, we'll get to those games in our weekly recaps segment later on in the show, but other than them completing the sweep against Boston, this week for the Yankees has poetically been just like the year of 2020. A disaster. I know, it's just a week, and the shortened season is just a brief path to the time of true importance, the playoffs, I get it, we've said that many times already, but that doesn't change the fact that this past week has been ugly for the Yanks, and we're not going to waste any time today, we're going to get right into everything. We'll talk about everything in Yankees news since last Sunday, from all injury news and updates, particularly the injuries that happened this past week, and boy do I have a lot to say about that, as you can probably imagine to a trade that the Yankees actually made with the Phillies could turn out to be important, or perhaps not. But regardless, we'll discuss that a bit. And of course, we'll recap the games that have happened since last Sunday, which are just the final two games against the Red Sox, since last Sunday's game against them hadn't happened yet when I recorded that day, if you recall. And then after those, the three insufferable games against Tampa Bay. So just five games this week, since the games against the Mets this weekend have been postponed, again because of the Mets player and staff member testing positive. And as of this moment, there is no word of when these three games that were supposed to happen this weekend against the Mets will be made up. But I would say it's a safe bet we'll be seeing more doubleheaders in our future. Maybe next weekend when they're slated to play the Mets again. But when we'll see them for sure, we don't know yet. As of right now, here on early Sunday afternoon, so we'll run through those five games, and then that'll be that. But first, since we're starting with this, I should tell you, otherwise you'll be very confused, that as I did a couple of weeks ago, except in a different way, since it's episode 60 today on this fine Sunday, August the 23rd, fine but very hot Sunday, August the 23rd. I figured why not change up the poll segment and do something for it that I haven't done in probably about a year, and. That's something. Something is a little role reversal. I wanted to see some of your questions this weekend. So for today, yesterday on Twitter and Instagram, we had ourselves a little social media Q and A, a question and answer with you guys asking the questions instead of me. And we got plenty of good ones on the platforms I usually do these on, Twitter and Instagram. Obviously, no duh, Mike. You know to look out for these things on social media every Saturday. So I'll run through as many of those questions as I can before we move on to Yankees news and weekly recap, so without further ado, let's hear the questions you guys came up with, and I shall shout out your Twitter and Instagram handles as usual, read your question and answer them. I did ask for Yankees questions, but a couple of you asked me general Major League Baseball questions, and that's fine too. I am a diehard Yankee fan, and this is yapping Yankees, but hey, I'm a diehard baseball fan too at the end of the day, and I am glad to shed some light on other matters happening around the league if you guys want, so let's hear some of these questions. I'll probably get through about 15 or 20 questions, as usual, on both platforms combined. Depends how quickly we get through each one. So let's start on Twitter. Up first for today's Q&A is at TJT Whitting here, and they say, Mike, how do you feel about the number of baseball teams right now? Just right? Too many? Or not enough? What do you mean just in general? How many teams there are in all of baseball? Because as of right now, we know there are 30. I think it's fine with 30. <laughs> With all the changes that are being brainstormed from the brilliant Rob Manfred and his crew in Major League Baseball, I don't really think we need to change it more by taking away teams or adding teams. I think it's fine at 30. By the way, feel free to hit me up on social media or maybe comment down below if you're listening on YouTube, perhaps to give your take on any of these questions you hear in this segment, because I'm curious to hear what you guys think as well when it comes to certain questions. But yeah, I think baseball's fine at 30 teams right now. I don't really think you need to change that at this moment. At Julian Giardi one says, do you think Andujar will be traded? I hate to say it, but right now, honestly, at some point, I think he will because he's the one that the Yankees keep on optioning lately. He can't really seem to get going all that much this year. I mean, I know he hasn't had enough consistent playing time to see what he's really made of. He did miss basically all of last season with the exception of just a few games, which could actually also affect his trade value, of course, because he missed almost all of last year and he's been off to a slow start this year. So it could be tough to trade him for the sense of his trade value being low. And it's also a matter of what you could get back for him when his trade value is probably as low as it is, and is it worth it? So yeah, those would probably be arguments more so for him not getting traded, but honestly, because he's the one that the Yankees keep sending down, he's had a slow start to the season. Obviously, his third base job has been taken by Geo, that's no secret, and the Yankees especially defensively have better options out there in the outfield. You got Voight and Ford over at first, and offensively, even as I said before, they have a lot of other people who have been more capable of late. And again, his slow start has not helped things. He's been the one that's been sent down over and over again to the alternate site. He's not gotten much consistent playing time. So, yeah, even though Andujar does have his positive attributes, especially offensively, I think they could end up trading him when they do it and what they would get back for him. That's another story, but I do think it's very possible that they trade him. At NYY underscore Kate says... Mike, what is your take on all these lower body injuries that are happening to guys like Stanton, Judge, Britton, Torres, and so on? Well, as you'll be hearing me say later on when we go more in-depth on injuries during Yankees news, it's just absolutely absurd. And of course, you don't know what to make of it at this point. Are they not stretching properly? Are they not working out properly? Is it just a little bit of bad luck? Is it the medical staff, which they even overhauled this past offseason? There's a bunch of different possibilities. It could be a little bit of all of those, just some of those, one of those, or none of those. Who knows? So overall, just like everybody else, my take on the whole lower body injury situation, along with all the other injuries in general, is that it's just gotten to a point where it's absolutely absurd. There's just nothing else you could say about it. I just want the guys to be okay, and it's just gotten ridiculous. It really has. And of course, later on in Yankees news, I'll also have a bunch of injury updates for all of these guys that you just mentioned, and even more, along with quite a bit of ranting about it, but we'll get there later. At BP Crew WNY's question is, interested to know what players the Yankees should be looking at next week? Didi, Bundy, Gonzalez, anyone else? Well, thank you for the question, and also thank you to the rest of you who I read out earlier for your questions. Thank you very, very much for them. Of course, I appreciate every question sent in today, but of course, next week, this person is referring to the trade deadline coming up. This very unique and different trade deadline amongst this abbreviated season that will be taking place at the very end of August, as this person said, next week. But because of how unique it is this year, how unique the situation is with all the teams and with just this season overall, I'm really not sure what we're going to be seeing out of this trade deadline. Just how many moves are going to be made, or if any of those are made, how massive or how big of a deal they'll be. And just like this is a season we've never seen before, it'll probably be a trade deadline like we haven't seen before. But the question is, how many teams are willing to move guys in a season like this? How many teams are willing to meet each other's needs in times like this especially? And what categories are there to look around for the most? As far as what you mentioned with Didi... I don't really see Didi going anywhere as just on a one-year deal. If he is to return to the Yankees someday... I assume it'll probably be going into next season since i will already be a free agent again. And for the record, I don't see him returning. But you never know. He only signed a one-year deal with Philly, but again, the Yankees infield is stacked when you have Glaber, DJ, Voight, Gio, and of course you have the backups like Wade, Estrada, Ford. So right now, there's really not much room for Didi. Of course you miss his defense, especially with the way Glaber's looked at shortstop early on this abbreviated season so far. I totally understand that, but I don't really see a place for Didi right now, and if he is to even come back, here it would probably be this offseason going into next year and probably not at the deadline and I know Glaber's hurt right now but I don't think he's going to be out for too long and I think the Yankees of course have a lot of faith in him as far as Bundy obviously us Yankee fans all remember him from his days with the Baltimore Orioles he was with them for a lot of years Started with them in 2012, then of course he missed three seasons, came back in 2016 and pitched for them from 2016 through 2019, and this year of course he's off to a great start in this abbreviated season with the Los Angeles Angels, 248 ERA, 38 strikeouts and 32 and two-thirds innings pitched, and it's a bit of a surprise to see that he's off to a good start in this odd abbreviated 2020 season, considering in years past with the Orioles, he really hasn't been much to look at, he hasn't been that great at all. An ERA over four every year with them, and even around five and a half in 2018. And I know the Orioles have been bad the last few years, but so are the Angels this year. The Angels are in the basement in the AL West. So because of that, they could be sellers. I'm not sure, but maybe you look into him somewhat? Paxton's hurt now. He's not thrown for at least two weeks, even though he's confident he'll be back before the end of the regular season. Obviously, we know what Jay Happ is, but he's a bit of a problem because of the amount of money he makes. But I'm not sure. I think we need to see a little bit more out of Bundy before we can say, yeah, he's really reformed himself because... Throughout most of his career, as I've told you, even though it's been only six years because he missed 2013, 14, and 15, we've seen mostly bad starts out of his time in the big leagues. Listen, like I said again, there are a lot of factors here. This is going to be a deadline like one we haven't seen before. I don't really think we're even going to see too much activity around it this year because of how unique and crazy this season has been to begin with. Another factor for it may even be that teams might not even try too hard to get these big trades going because they know more than half their league is going to go to the playoffs. So that could affect effort put in at the trade deadline. And just what teams are willing to part ways with right now, I don't really know. But for the Yankees, mainly because of the loss of Tommy Canely for the rest of the year due to him getting Tommy John surgery, maybe they'd look in the area for a reliever, another relief pitcher, but which one, who knows? Who knows what they would look at? So the trade deadline is a really unique and really unpredictable situation for this year, honestly. It really is. At Tegan Graham 23 says, how do you feel about the season? To be honest, I really don't think we can win it all this year. I think they can. The Yankees just have to really turn things around as far as injuries. They've got to stay on the field. We know they have the potential talent to win it all. By potential talent, I mean, yes, they definitely do have the names, but if they lose enough people to injury, then that talent's not going to matter because they won't be on the field. But if and when everyone returns from injury, if they could just find a way to stay on the field and battle out the rest of this shortened season and get through the playoffs... I think they could still win it all, but they've got to stay on the field. They really have to stay on the field, and of course... An important part of it for when those players are hurt is that the next man up crew needs to continue to perform. And as we know, even going back as far as last year when they had to perform for a good chunk of the season, we know that a lot of those guys have performed well beyond what we ever expected. As far as making the playoffs, especially with more than half the league going, eight teams in the American League and eight teams in the National League going, yeah, I'm more than confident in the Yankees' chances of going to the playoffs, obviously. What happens when they get in as far as winning at all, as you say, Teagan, that's another story, but I still do think they could win it all. They just need things to go their way, and they need to stay on the field. And when they are in the field, especially big components to the team like Gleyber Torres, Gary Sanchez, they got to get more going with hitting. And of course, better defense needs to be played, as I hinted to before when I was talking about Gleyber at shortstop. What does he have, six errors to start the season so far? So yeah, you got to be better on the field. You got to stay on the field. You have to beat Tampa Bay. And then beyond that, everything else should hopefully work itself out. But thank you for the question, Tegan. Up next, we have At Peace Now for Life, and they ask: What do you think is a realistic trade the Yankees could make this season to help the team? Well, as I said earlier, maybe someone to fill in the shoes of Tommy Canely, who, as I said before, again, the Yankees have lost for the rest of the season due to his Tommy John surgery. Maybe you could get some bullpen help because of course also Zach Britton is on the IL even though they expect his IL stint to be on the shorter side but he'll be out for at least another week so for at least another week you're without Zach Britton and of course for at least another year you're without Tommy Canely so maybe you get a little bullpen help. I think that's a possibility more so than anything. I think offensively, the Yankees are more than confident in what they have, even with the guys who are injured, but they will be coming back, some of them sooner rather than later. But even with the next man up crew, I think they're confident with what they have. And with the pitching rotation, I know for at least three weeks or more, they're going to be without James Paxton going forward. And as far as solid starters you have to rely on, you basically just have Garrett Cole, Masahiro Tanaka, and probably Jordan Montgomery. We know what we're going to get out of j Hat most of the time at this point, and that's just not a lot of quality. But maybe they could get some effectiveness out of a fill-in temporarily while Paxton's out in the likes of Michael King or Jonathan Loiseka or, gee, I don't know, Clark Schmidt. <laughs> so really, if there's an area that they look into, I would probably say maybe the bullpen. But other than that, I'm not sure there are really going to be any moves made for the Yankees or much of anybody. We'll have to see. As I said before, a very unique year, which will probably lead to a very unique, potentially quiet trade deadline. And not any of those nonsensical trade proposals I see on television sometimes, like that brilliant one I saw on social media, Glaber, Torres and Miguel Andujar for Francisco Lindor. <laughs> okay then. Let's continue on. Thank you for that question at Peace Now for Life. Up next we have at Jake Rep NY, and Jake says, which Yankee injury currently is the biggest blow to the team? That said with Judge supposedly being 100% fine. And yes, Jake, you are right about that. On last week's show, we spoke about how Judge told the Yankees that he didn't even want to be put on the IL in the first place. And like I said, we'll probably just have to wait for him to ride out the rest of his IL stint, which as we know is over as of the next time the Yankees play. So we should be expecting him in the Yankee lineup on Tuesday when they face the Braves. So I don't really count him much in this injury group anymore. But without him counting, DJ is definitely the biggest one. DJ LeMayhew. This guy, we spoke about his importance on last week's show. We don't need to repeat it. We know how vital to this team DJ LeMayhew is. They don't get to where they went last year without him. And with the production that they were seeing out of him this year so far as well, it's just unmatched. The defensive capabilities too, it's unmatched. So yes, the biggest injury blow to the team, DJ LeMayhew, hands down. Thank you for that question, Jake. Up next we have at Crusaders BBNY and they say what is the fascination with the Yankees keeping Brett Gardner in the lineup? What's with the loyalty? The other young guys should be playing every day. Well, listen, I've said it a lot on Twitter before and I think I've even mentioned it on this show plenty of times. I will be the first to admit that these days the Talkmans, the Frasers, they should be getting more playing time than Brett Gardner at this moment. But the fascination on the Yankees' behalf is clearly because Brett Gardner is the longest-tenured Yankee at the moment. He's such a leader to the team. He's been around there for so long. He's the last piece of the 9 championship team. Brett Gardner has been with the Yankees for a long time. You ask what's with the loyalty? Because he's been nothing but loyal to them. Even if people don't like his performances, there has been no one that's been more loyal to the Yankees for as long as he has been than Brett Gardner. So the loyalty is understandable, and I get the Yankees' perspective, but as far as what's better for the team, yes, you cannot deny that right now, the Talkmans, the Fraziers, they should be getting more playing time. You're absolutely right. But that is hands down the reason why the Yankees are so loyal to him, because he's always been there for them. He has done all he can to remain a Yankee. He's always out there on the field whenever they need him. And even all the Yankees always talk about how much of a leader he is. Veteran presence has its important place on a team. So that's my answer to that, and I do thank you for the questions, Crusaders Baseball. Thank you very much. Up next, we have At96LiverPudlians, and they say, What are your thoughts about Yankees' ownership and management's frugality regarding furloughing employees and manipulating service time of kids like Schmidt, who earned a spot in the majors with spring training and summer camp performance? Well, me, like anybody else... I obviously hate the service time thing, especially if it hurts what's best for the team, because of course, all us fans want is what is best for the team. But in the same breath, we all know that baseball is a business, and these higher-ups in these organizations care more about money and saving as much of it as possible, so we understand them doing it, and we expect it. But yeah, I hate it, especially when it comes to big-time teams like the Yankees, one of the richest organizations in sports. It's especially aggravating when service time hinders a player's progress towards the major leagues when they deserve to be there. And yeah, Clark Schmidt deserves to be here, as I said before, and we'll probably touch on a little bit later. But yeah, it's all about team control, money, that's all it's about with these higher-ups in the organizations. So yeah, it's frustrating when things like that happen, especially to guys like Clark Schmidt, who yes, as you said, in spring training and summer camp, we saw some filthy stuff from and people want to see him get his chance. And you know what? Guilty. I'm one of them. And when it comes to furloughing employees, you know what? If those are positions that truly aren't needed, then you know what? Fine. I mean, usually furloughing means they'll be back at some point, which I know a good amount of those employees sounded like they were going to be back at some point. But yeah, it's extra tough to absorb when you know organizations like the Yankees could probably afford things like that, especially when it came to what they did with the minor leaguers months ago, which you remember my explosion about that whole thing. So yeah, I'm especially harder on organizations like the Yankees when they do things like this. But if they're doing it to positions where they could get back later and they're not a true necessity right now, hopefully those people who did get furloughed can take care of themselves properly. Of course, that's the main hope. Because getting furloughed has just been a part of life these days. I mean, life just stinks this year. That's no secret. And that's no justification. But yes, as long as those people or as many of those people as possible are bought back after so they could still have a job and support themselves... But yes, it's frustrating when teams like the Yankees do things like that, because you know they could afford an awful lot. So how do I feel about it? I hope those people get their jobs back eventually. I know the Yankees are so well-equipped in certain areas of the organization, more so than any other organization throughout the game. But those are still people with jobs, and they need money, and some of them have families to support. So you hope for the best for them. As far as things that they did many months ago, like not paying those minor leaguers, that was gross. You remember my takes on that. And as far as manipulating service time and things like that, you know how I feel about that as well. Especially if it could just benefit the team to have that player in the position in the major leagues where he deserves to be, I'm not a fan of service time. I want what's best for the team, of course. And they do too, but to a certain degree. Because, of course, the most important thing is money and team control. They want to go as long as possible without having to worry about giving some of these guys big money and long contracts. So yeah, it could be annoying, but thank you for that question. In case you can't tell, I tend to go off on some diatribes with some of my answers, but I do my best to answer them and give the best possible answer I can. I like to give a lot of reasoning for my answers so I don't sound like a dope. I mean, you got to back up your reasoning as best as you can, right? Up next is at Laura underscore Icemont, and Laura says, With Paxton's injury, who do you think should fill in his rotation spot and why? Well, as far as what the Yankees are going to do, I think they already said what they plan on doing. They plan on looking to guys like Michael King, Jonathan Lewisica, but obviously the man who everybody wants to see, who had such a phenomenal summer camp with his pure filthy pitches and even a good spring training months ago, the man everybody wants to see is Clark Schmidt. But the Yankees go on and on saying, oh, the complication is that he's not on the 40-man roster. Well, as I and many others on Twitter yesterday said, DFA someone like Jonathan Holder or Luis Sessa and put Clark Schmidt on that roster and bring him up here. People want to see this kid. He has showcased a lot of filth. Great curveball, beautiful breaking pitches, off-speed stuff, and electric fastball. People want to see what this kid is made of when it matters. So as far as who I feel will fill in that spot, it'll probably be Michael King or Jonathan Luizica, unless they change their mind about Clark Schmidt and decide to DFA somebody and bring him up and put him on the roster. But I and many others would want to see Clark Schmidt. I think it's safe to say that. A lot of people are excited to see what the kid's got. We already know his potential. We've seen his stuff. But on the stage, when it counts, people want to see. And I don't have a big problem with Jonathan Luizica or Michael King, but I just think more people at this point are more intrigued by Clark Schmidt. Up next is at NYYFanForever96 with a couple of questions. Number one, what do you think about Garrett Cole so far this season? I think he's looked fine. Really good. And it shows how elite he is that after some of the starts he's had that weren't even bad at all... He comes out and says, you haven't even seen the best of him yet. Meanwhile, in those starts after he says that, he's still giving you like six innings, one run, striking out seven, eight guys. So that shows you how elite he is. Not to mention how legendary he was in the game against Tampa when he was taken out with one more out to go when he was about to complete seven full innings. That was in Wednesday's game this past week. He was not happy with Aaron Boone at all. He gave Aaron Boone a hell of a look when he was on the mound and saw that he was coming out to take him out. Clearly was hurling a few curses on his way down into the clubhouse and still visibly upset about it a few days afterwards. I mean, Garrett Cole is an elite competitor. There is no denying that. He expects the world of himself, and I have almost never seen someone as passionate and dedicated to their craft as Garrett Cole is. This guy has a hell of a spirit. So what do I think? I think he's been awesome to watch as I anticipated him being. And the second question is, since the trade deadline is coming up soon, who would you want traded to the Yankees? Well, I already explained a little bit of what I think about this year's trade deadline and if they were to go for somebody, which area they probably would go for. So I'm not going to reiterate it all, but I do think if they are to focus in on an area of looking for some help, maybe in the bullpen. I don't know. We'll have to see. That's a question that's really not easy for anybody to answer given this unique season and the unique circumstances both with the virus and how much people may be willing to give up or how hard they may even choose to try given the fact that more than half of each league is going to the playoffs this year. It's just so different. It's hard to say. And not to say the Yankees still don't have any good bullpen arms left. At the back end, they still have Chapman who has now returned. As we mentioned at the end of last week's episode, he was going to be back this past week and he did return. So you have Chapman back. You still have Ottavino. You still have Chad Green. Gotta love Chad Green He's so good So the back end still has Solid, solid arms back there But with the loss of Zach Britton For at least another week Or a week and a half And with the loss of Tommy Canley From Tommy John surgery I'm just saying that It could be a possibility They look for a little bit of bullpen help Some reinforcements maybe We'll see At Sports D24733772 Says with Judge coming back Will Clint be the one That goes to the alternate site? Yeah, probably I mean it could be It'll be upsetting because in the last couple of weeks, Clint Frazier has been a blast to watch. He has been visibly better defensively. Obviously, offensively, he's been a joy to watch. But I don't see them sending Talkman down or Wade. I mean, maybe they send down Thyro Estrada. I don't know. I'll go with them sending down Estrada for now to make room on the roster for when Judge comes back. I'll go with that for now, but if not him, it could be Clint. All right, I'm going to finish up here on Twitter before heading over to Instagram with at BlackRebirth52, my good friend James Celestin, and he also has a two-part question. The first one being, what moves do you see the Yankees making at the trade deadline? As you know, pal, I already answered that a couple of times, so just go back and listen to my prior answers to that question. I don't want to reiterate that because it'll just be repetitive. And then the second question is, will Clark Schmidt be called up? As I said before, he probably should be. The only complication that Aaron Boone said was that he's not on the 40 man. He's not on the roster. Well, then maybe they should try dfa somebody that really doesn't help the team much and that nobody can really stand to watch anymore. Maybe like the likes of Luis Cessa, who's been around for years now, and we have rarely ever seen any signs of improvement. He's basically just an innings eater, as we know. Or maybe even DFA Jonathan Holder, even though he hasn't been awful this year. But as of now, who would you rather see? Jonathan Holder constantly, who we mainly know what he's made of. I mean, you know as well as I do that we're probably not going to see anything revolutionary or never before seen out of Jonathan Holder that makes us say, oh yeah, he's gotta stay here. Or would you rather see Clark Schmidt, a young stud who we know has unbelievable potential with great stuff that we've seen, even though it's been in games that don't count, but doesn't your intrigue towards that really outweigh wanting to keep Jonathan Holder here? I mean, come on. We saw how nasty Clark Schmidt is. We've spoken about it plenty on this show. So yeah, I think he should be called up, as I said earlier, too. Will he be called up? Well, that's a matter of whether the Yankees will be willing to put him on the roster or not, because Boone said that that's basically the only complication. So I hope we see him. So thank you, James, and thank you all of you who submitted questions on Twitter. I know there were questions I didn't get to. I'm really sorry, but we'll probably return back to our regular poll segment format for next week. And just be sure, of course, to comment on the poll next week and I will do my best to get to you. But before we move on to Yankees news and weekly recap, let's head on over to Instagram and get to a couple of those questions that I had there, and then we'll move on with the rest of the show. Gabish, All right. First up on Instagram with their question is dspar 1211 and they say, have you seen the rumors that the Giants threw the game for the A's? No. I haven't seen that. No, I didn't know that that was a thing that happened recently. No, I didn't hear about that. You guys let me know in the comments below on YouTube or hit me up on social media and let me know if you heard about that because I didn't. But thank you for the question nonetheless. Up next, we have at MountainGal456, my good friend Tina. And Tina says, Tatis Jr. hitting the Grand Slam homer. Do you think he should have listened to his manager by taking the pitch on 3-0? Oh? Uh, well, I did give my opinion on this on Twitter. I guess I'll say it again as quickly as possible here on the show. But no, I absolutely will not ever get on any guy, especially not a young 21-year-old stud, that baseball needs in the likes of Fernando Tatis Jr. for hitting a grand slam, I don't care what the lead is. For those of you who don't know, this was a big thing earlier in the week when the San Diego Padres took on the Texas Rangers, and the Padres were killing the Rangers. They were up by like 9 or 10 to 3 or some score like that. It was a big lead. And Fernando Tatis Jr., who's on the Padres, the count on him was 3-0. and Now, Tatis Jr., at 21, is one of the most talented players in the game. He is showcasing incredible talent at such a young age, and he is exactly what baseball needs to, for lack of a better term, grow the game, as Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball love to say, even though they do the complete opposite. But Tatis Jr., with that big lead, at the plate with the bases loaded and a 3-0 count, got a take sign from his manager, take the pitch all the way, but he got a pitch he liked on 3-0 and hit a grand slam with a monster lead, and his manager didn't like that, and neither did the Rangers, because they were like, oh, it's such a big lead, you should have just listened to your manager and taken the pitch, There was no need to hit a grand slam, shut up, shut up! You're gonna get mad at the guy for hitting a grand slam?! Saying it's an unwritten rule, which by the way, I even tweeted this out last night. If I hear those two words again, you will have to throw me in a mental asylum. Unwritten rule. Shut up. Be quiet first of all, that kid is what this game needs. And second of all, even though in most situations I am that kind of a guy that agrees, oh, take on 3-0. But you know what? Some guys with a lot of talent, especially guys with a lot of talent in the likes of Tatis Jr., if they get a pitch that's right down the plate, and they like it, and they think they could do damage with it, and if he hits a grand slam on the thing, what are you getting mad at him for? He hit a grand slam! The Padres manager getting mad at his own guy for hitting a grand slam is the most nonsensical thing I've ever. Ever heard of. And that says a lot. You stand up for your player and you applaud him for hitting a grand slam. And you know what? If the Rangers don't like it, then pitch better. Pitch better instead of whining that you just gave up a grand slam. Just when you think people can't get any dumber. <laughs> they never cease to amaze me. People. They just never do. So, no, Tina. After hitting a grand slam, no. I don't think he should have taken the pitch. I think it's a good thing that he hit the pitch and hit it for a grand slam, no less, no matter the lead. And I'm sure you feel the same way because I saw basically 99.9% of the baseball community felt that way as well, as they should. And then after that, Rangers pitching through at Padres hitters, and that is just straight up garbage. And it was even sadder when Tatis Jr. felt obligated to apologize for hitting a grand slam after the game was over. The same kid who is one of many out of a group of guys who, if the game just marketed properly, could definitely get more ratings and popularity and a younger audience. But no, we're going to have him apologize for hitting a grand slam. Do not apologize for that, Fernando. It's not your fault that the Rangers and your own manager are a bunch of cafones. And if you don't speak Italian, then look that word up for yourself. Imagine that. Getting mad at your own player for hitting a Grand Slam. (laughs) Oh boy. Sometimes you wonder if people's brains ever fully developed. It just makes you think sometimes. Anyway, (laughs) up next is my girlfriend, Vic Salimo. And by the way, Tina, thank you for the question. But Vic asked me what my thoughts are on Glaber's slumping this season. Well, of course, the top priority right now is getting Glaber back from his injury, which we will be talking about momentarily in Yankees news, but when he does come back from his injury, hopefully he continues to correct his slumping, but there is slumping in more aspects than just one. Of course, we know that he started off the season slow, even at the plate, and before he got hurt, he was in the middle of really coming out of that, but also in the field at shortstop, he has really not looked good this year. I mean, I said it before, what does he have, six errors already? He has not looked comfortable at all at shortstop, especially at a position that's said to be his natural one, as we know. So hopefully when he returns from injury, he can work on his defensive struggles at shortstop because they have not been good whatsoever. I mean, at times it's even looked ugly. But there were games when he was definitely breaking out of his slump offensively at the plate, and when he gets back, hopefully he can continue on that path as well because Glaber is so vital to this team. That's no secret. And the Yankees need him to perform, so yeah, when he was slumping, I had a feeling he would break out of it eventually, because of course he's a human being, he slumps, everybody slumps at some point. But there is more of a sense of urgency with slumps in a shortened season like this one, and it wasn't fun to watch, so hopefully he can correct it when he returns from injury. When the season first started, he was slumping in all aspects for a long time, until he started to show better approaches at the plate. But lastly for today, as I usually like to do when we finish up our social media segments, usually our poll segment, but I'll call it the social media segment in general since we changed it up this week. But as I like to do when we finish these things up, I love to end off with my mom, as you guys know, Julia Gina Scudero, and her question for this week is, do you think that Aaron Judge will become Yankees captain one day? And I've actually mentioned this before. Of course, in the past, I've always said, and so have many other people because they just feel the same way, that Aaron Judge, in many aspects, is like the modern-day Derek Jeter. You just feel he's the epitome of a forever Yankee. We discussed all of this last week. There's a lot of Aaron Judge discussion on last week's episode, if you remember. If not, then go back and listen to episode 59 from last weekend. But as we discussed, it's really tough to ever imagine Aaron Judge leaving the Yankees. And when he's on the field and healthy, the guy is a beast. He's a monster. Nobody wants to deal with him, especially not in a big situation in a given game. But that's the key when he's on the field. And there's no denying that even though this last injury of his, the calf strain, as we discussed last week, was very mild and very minor, Judge has undeniably had his problem staying on the field, again, even though some of the injuries, as we discussed last week, were not even his fault. Some of them were as a result of somebody else, like the hit-by-pitch on the wrist two years ago from Jacob Junis. There are instances like that. But regardless, he has had his struggles with staying on the field. So that makes it complicated. But because Aaron Judge, as I said, is the epitome of a forever Yankee, I cannot imagine him leaving someday. And because of his presence and because of his skill, yes, I do see him becoming the Yankee captain, and I do think a lot of other people feel that way. I do know that there are some people out there that also see Gleyber Torres possibly being the next Yankee captain too. I mean, he is very young, and if he ends up staying here his whole career, he's going to be here a very long time because he's been here since 2018 when he was just 21 years old. But yes, for the next Yankee captain, which I assume won't be for at least a couple of or a few more years, yeah, I'll go with Aaron Judge. I will. But thank you, Mom, and thank you, Vic, as well for your questions. And thank you to all of you on Twitter and Instagram, as I said earlier, for submitting your questions on this week's q and I enjoyed switching things up from our usual poll segment just for this week. It should be back to the regular poll segment come episode 61 next Sunday. But it was fun switching things up this week and hearing what you guys had on your mind as far as questions for me. And, of course, if I didn't get to you, you know the drill. Just keep on commenting every week on the social media segments, and I will eventually get to you. I'm always, always grateful for the interaction we get here on Yapping Yankees. It's always a fun time hearing from you guys. But let's keep the ball rolling and get to this past week's Yankees news. I've got some injury news and updates for you from this past week, along with the move the Yankees made with the Phillies and then of course after that we'll recap this past week's Yankee game action. So let's discuss. We'll start as always with what happened at the start of this past week. And that of course is Monday 6 days ago and we begin with the announcement that I actually told you about at the end of last week's episode when it first came out when I was recording last week and that was the fact that Aroldis Chapman did a officially return on Monday, as they said he was going to last Sunday, but the Yankees officially reinstated their closer or oldest Chapman on Monday, and the corresponding roster move was DFAing David Hale to make room on the roster for Chapman, and of course, it's nice to have him back at the back end of that bullpen. And also on Monday, just a few more injury updates that came around, Aaron Boone did announce that DJ's injury timeline to return should be about two to three weeks, and of course, he said that six days ago, so maybe DJ has about a week or two left at this point here on Sunday the 23rd. And boy, oh boy, the sooner the better. (laughs) There was also another update on Giancarlo Stanton on Monday, and of course, as you know, he's been out for two or three weeks with his strained left hamstring, but the Yankees said on Monday that he was receiving treatment for it, and that he would continue to, and that he should be resuming baseball activities soon, and of course it's even sooner now, since this was again on Monday, six days ago. And as far as his estimated return time, the Yankees said Stanton should be returning in about two to three weeks from then, from Monday. So around the same time as D DJ, it seems. And yes, there is one more thing. Lots of moves happen on Monday, but after Monday's game against the Red Sox ended, the Yankees also optioned bullpen arm Ben Heller to the alternate site, so he was no longer with the team as of then. So he was sent to the alternate site with all the others in the players' pool in case they needed him again at some point for bullpen help. So the Yankees' news on Monday obviously contained just a lot of injury updates, which is of course always a good thing. You want to hear about how the guys are progressing. On Tuesday, the Yankees recalled Nick Nelson from the alternate site to fill. The roster spot left open after optioning Ben Heller the day prior, and that was all that happened on Tuesday. Tuesday was not really that much of an eventful day as far as Yankees news. On Wednesday, DJ LeMayhew gave another update on his thumb to the media, and he said that although it's still sore, he did feel improvement already. But it was still sore, so that was the update as of Wednesday on him. So it just sounded like although there was still healing to be done, that he was maybe on his way to recovery and healing. And then on Wednesday night, starting with what I'm about to tell you, the injury bug bit again, and as you're going to hear, it did not stop with this whatsoever. But after his really tough outing in Wednesday's extremely frustrating game against Tampa, the middle game of that three-game set, Zach Britton had injury concern after he grabbed at his leg before leaving the game. Obviously, you never want to see a player grabbing at his leg. That's usually not a good sign. And then the next day on Thursday, this was basically when it went all downhill as far as injuries are concerned. Starting from Tuesday, with the three games set against the Rays, that's when it went downhill as far as Yankee games and gameplay is concerned. But as far as injuries, Thursday was the day when it all just started to fall apart. It was announced that Zach Britton was headed to the 10-day I.L. with a hamstring strain, a minor one, but a hamstring strain nonetheless. And Boone did say it's going to be a short I.L. stint since just yesterday he did say that Britton was already playing catch and running. So I guess that's a good sign as of what Boone said yesterday, but when this was first announced on Thursday, not news you wanted to hear. Especially coming off of a frustrating game like Wednesday night not knowing, of course, that we would get probably an equally as frustrating, maybe even more frustrating game on Thursday. Depends on your point of view. The whole series against Tampa Bay at Yankee Stadium this past week just stunk to high heaven, and we'll get to it all later. But Britain was put on the 10-day IL with that hamstring strain, and the Yankees also optioned Miguel Andujar back to the alternate site. So again, that goes back to my point before where it seems like when they just don't need him or they're really not confident in what they're seeing in him, or if they just need to open a roster spot. They've just been sending Andujar back down these days, which really shows you that they must feel that they have better options than him. And that's why back in the Q&A segment, when I was asked if I think that he could be traded someday, I definitely think that he could. And again, we all love what Miguel Andujar brings to the table offensively, but right now, it's just no really denying that the Yankees both defensively and in many ways offensively just have better options than him. Defensively, basically everywhere. And offensively, Gio even has an edge over him at third base. And this year, again, even though Andujar hasn't gotten consistent playing time, I would say Talkman and in the two weeks that he's been up, Frazier have really made the best of their opportunities and are better options at this moment. So although I do like Andujar a lot, because I really do like what he brings to the table offensively, as I said before, he was sent back to the alternate site. The Yankees recalled Ben Heller for bullpen help, as well as calling up Miguel Yahure. That is a tough last name, and I like rolling the R there. I'm Italian, what can I tell you? And for those of you who don't know the other Miguel, he is one of many of the young right-handed pitchers the Yankees have in their minor league system, and he'll be helping out of the bullpen. But as I said, the injuries do not end there with Zach Britton, because then in the train wreck third game of the Rays series, Glaber Torres leaves the game with a tight hamstring, and his MRI imaging revealed grade one strains of his left quad and his left hamstring. He's headed to the IL. His recovery time is at least two weeks, according to Boone, with hopes that he could swing a bat in about a week. And this was just crazy to me because this just happened when Gleyber Torres was just jogging down to first. Gleyber Torres is 23 years old. He's my age. And he strains a quad and a hamstring just running down to first. Something in between running and jogging. He wasn't even going that hard. He wasn't ripping it down the line. I mean, it's it's just crazy. It really is. And then just when you thought it was over, no, it's not. It kept on going because after his start in the third game of the series against Tampa, James Paxton, again, he started the third game against Tampa, he was feeling discomfort in his elbow. And you know where your brain usually goes when you hear elbow. That's right, Tommy John surgery. So he went for an MRI, Yankee fans held their breath, and fortunately, at least for now, he does not need Tommy John. It's strictly a muscular issue. Not the UCL, apparently. It's a grade one forearm flexor strain. And again, he won't need the surgery, at least for now. And he expects to be back before the end of the season to maybe make some starts, but he won't be throwing for two weeks. And, you know, at least these are grade ones. They're more on the minor side. Things like Judge, Britton, Torres, these all just seem to be grade ones and more on the minor side. But guys, wait, 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 you thought I was done after Paxton? You thought you were safe from more injuries? No, you're not. None of us are. Because then after that, it was revealed that Luis Avilan in the bullpen underwent an MRI on Thursday himself, and his imaging revealed left shoulder inflammation. And he went to the IL as well. So listen, Luis Avilan in the grand scheme of things is replaceable out in the bullpen, but he really hasn't been all that bad through 25 games of the season. He really hasn't been. His ERA is 432, but he's only had about eight or nine innings pitched this year. Eight and a third, to be exact. And in Thursday's game, when he did appear there, he did allow two earned runs, which beefed up his ERA a little bit, so it was lower before that. And before Thursday, Avilan had not been that bad out of the Yankee bullpen, but he is replaceable. He's not that bad, but he's not that good either. But the point of the matter is, he is one of many to hit the I.L. inside of just a couple of days! You can't make this up in your wildest dreams with these injuries. The Yankees can't win. They cannot break free of this injury curse. And then you're sitting there just wondering, what could it be, even going back to last season when they had record-breaking numbers of injuries last year, and it seems to be on that path for an abbreviated season this year? I mean, what could it be? Could it be the fact that it is a unique season? They had spring training months ago abruptly had to stop and then suddenly ramp up activity when baseball returned and that's leading to injuries, that could certainly be a factor considering injury numbers are already skyrocketing not only with the Yankees, but there are a lot of injuries throughout the league right now too. But that doesn't support last year's claim because last year was a regular 162-game season. But could it be that? Could it be the medical staff on the Yankees? It's hard to imagine, because they did overhaul the entire medical staff this past off season, unless they just miraculously ran into two groups of medical staffs that just have no idea what they're doing. But they overhauled it all this past off season, so really could it be that? Probably not. Again, unless just both staffs just have no idea what they're doing, is it the fact that they're not stretching properly? Are they not working out properly? Is it just bad luck? Could you have this much bad luck that the Yankees have had with injuries these last two years? I mean, is that even possible to have that much bad luck? (sighs) I mean, again, it could be all of those things, a little bit of each, some of those things, one of those things. It could be none of those things. But regardless, you just sit there and ask yourself... How could it be this bad? How is it possible these last two years? I mean, I know, listen, the Yankees are very fortunate, and many of you would even shut that down really quick because you're like, oh, please, the Yankees organization, the money they have, they're not fortunate. They could just do whatever they want, but they are fortunate to still have come across the young talent that they have to lessen the blows of these injuries, to weather this storm of injuries. They're fortunate to have that. The resources, the talent, it's great to have. Last year, when they had almost 40 injuries, they were able to take that talent and those resources and still notch out 103 wins. That's incredible. And they could still use that to weather the storm for this year, for this abbreviated season. But at some point, when you have a certain amount of injuries to a certain amount of key, significant players, when is it too much? When is the depth going to be tested too much out at the back end of the bullpen without Canely and Britton right now until Britton returns the lineup without a key hitter with runners in scoring position without a clutch contact hitter like DJ LeMayhew in times when they face teams like the Tampa Bay Rays who they just can't seem to beat because there are many moments throughout games where they come up short in situational hitting moments. Then you realize how important it is to have a DJ LeMayhew in your lineup when you keep failing in those situations. So just when is it too much? When is the depth going to be tested out too much? I mean, I have a lot of faith in the Yankees' next man up crew. I love those guys. I love them. That's not the problem. It's just what is this organization going to do to lessen these injuries? It has gotten to a point where there aren't any words left in the English language to describe the ridiculousness of the rate at which these guys get hurt. There really are no words left to describe how absurd it is. With these injuries, I have confidence in the Yankees organization as a whole to weather them. That's not the issue. I have confidence in the next man up crew. I love those guys. Never the issue. But these injuries are a problem, especially when they start to extend to guys like Glaber and DJ, who were really on the field for most of last year when almost none of the other starters were. It's a problem. Somebody's got to figure it out, and somebody's got to fix the problem wherever it may be. You know, I did read a good article the other day from a really good baseball platform called Ball9. My good friend Chris Vitale on Twitter is the head of that. I'm going to give Ball9 a shout out right now, especially because Ball9 might be featuring Yapping Yankees as well on their website alongside Grunt Talks, MLB, and Team LeftJab, so you might be hearing more about Ball9 later on, because I am glad to help shout out any platform that's willing to help spread the word about Yapping Yankees. But that's besides the point. A little tease there. We're not really sure. We haven't ironed out details, but just a little tease there. So pressure's on, Ball (laughs) 9. I'm totally kidding. So, anyway, Ball 9 put out a really good article, and it was from Kevin Kernan, and the subject was the Yankees' injuries, basically, and what could be causing them. Because at this point, that's the question that Yankee fans just cannot stop asking themselves, and rightfully so. How do these injuries happen, and how do they happen as frequently as they do? And the article really outlined that it could very well be these guys training just too much. Like it talks about in the off-season, they just work out and train and with the weights and just all the time training, training, training so much. And that has a major effect on certain muscle groups when you're going through a 162-game marathon. There's no denying that. So could it be their training routines? I don't know. It could be. I definitely think that's a reasonable opinion to have on the subject. But as I mentioned, a bunch of different possibilities before, it could be a little bit of all of those, it could be some of those, it could be one of those, or none of them. They just gotta figure it out. Because when is enough enough? I mean, right now, these are all the names at this moment on the injured list. Luis Severino, done until some point next year because of Tommy John. James Paxton, not throwing for at least another two weeks. He's on the IL now. Tommy Canely, done for the rest of the year from Tommy John surgery. Zach Britton, again... His IL stint should be on the shorter side, but again, he's on the IL now. Testing the bullpen depth a little bit more until he returns. Luis Avilan, Kyle Higashioka, John Carlos Stanton for about another two or three weeks, give or take maybe. And although his injury was very minor and he said he didn't have to go on the IL in the first place, he still went on and he's yet to be reinstated because, again, the Mets game from this weekend were postponed, so he didn't get to officially play again on Saturday like it was anticipated when his IL stint ended. But I'll include Aaron Judge, and again, he is expected to play when the Yankees play again against Atlanta on Tuesday, but Aaron Judge is one of them that's been hurt. But again, he's a little unique because for days now he said he's 100% fine, didn't want to go on the I.L. in the first place, and he would have been playing again had the weekend series against the Mets been going on right now. But he was hurt. And again, now you have Gleyber Torres, and who I consider to be the biggest blow to the team at the moment, as I said earlier during the Q&A section of the show, DJ LeMahieu as well with his sprained thumb. That's a lot, guys. And it does sting eventually, regardless of the depth you have. It stings to lose a lot of these names, especially the DJ LeMayhues, Glaber Torres, Aaron Judge, names like that. Even if they could weather the storm with next man up guys, it stings to lose names like that. You can't deny that. Depth is tested. You miss those bigger bats. And it stinks when you feel your whole team is dropping like flies. I mean, Thursday and Friday, it just felt like a big house of cards toppled down all at once. WHEN IS IT GONNA END WITH THE INJURIES? WHEN IS IT GONNA END? I KNOW IT'S GOOD NEWS THAT IN THE LAST DAY OR TWO, WE HAVE HEARD THAT A FEW OF THESE I.L. STINTS COULD BE ON THE SHORTER SIDE, JUST ANOTHER WEEK OR TWO GIVE OR TAKE. BUT COME ON. IT IS SO FRUSTRATING. I CAN'T IMAGINE HOW FRUSTRATING IT IS OF COURSE FOR THE PLAYERS THEMSELVES. BUT IT IS JUST... (laughs) WE HAVE JUST HIT SUCH A POINT WITH THESE INJURIES NOW THAT YOU DON'T EVEN KNOW REALLY WHAT TO SAY ANYMORE. But yes, Judge should be in the Yankee lineup again on Tuesday when they face Atlanta. Guys like Glaber, DJ, and Stanton should be back within the next two, three weeks. And of course, with eight teams in each league going to the playoffs, I'm sure the Yankees will make the postseason. That was never the concern. Of course, because the postseason is really the true time of importance since so many teams are going to be going to it in the first place. And hopefully by then, you hope you have basically everybody back, except for those who are already deemed to be done for the season, of course. But hopefully by then, you basically have everybody back. But just like 25 games into the season, barely halfway through what's already an abbreviated 60-game season, the rate at which these injuries have happened this year, and not to mention the injury storm the team had to weather last year, I just had to blow a gasket about it this week because it's just out of control. You can't deny that. The injuries are just crazy. Something has to change. If it is the working out, which I definitely think is a fair opinion, then that needs to be paid more attention to. If it's just the natural makeup of these guys, like Aaron Judge, for instance, who is a 6'7 giant, like maybe just some of his joints and his muscles are just not meant to withstand a 162-game marathon, or maybe even in this case, just a shortened season like this, we're so few games into what's already a short season, and he already got a little tweak of the calf. So, like, I don't know what it is. I don't think anybody knows what it is. I think it's even baffling to the Yankees. So, that's the deal as of now as far as injuries that happened this past week and the updates on injuries that did happen this past week as well as injuries we spoke about on last week's episode and, of course, for constant updates on things like this throughout the week when Yapping Yankees isn't going on since, of course, Yapping Yankees doesn't release a new episode until every Sunday. So, if you want updates on these sorts of things with the Yankees throughout the week as they happen... You know to just follow me on social media, especially Twitter, at Mike Scudero. I'm always tweeting updates when these things come around for the Yankees, so just follow me on there. And I'll also post updates a lot of the time on things like my Instagram, for instance, at MikeScuds97. You could follow me on there, but as of now, here on early Sunday afternoon, those are your injury updates and my rant about all of it. I just had to let it out. That was weighing on me for days. But as far as the last piece of Yankees news, guys, on Friday, the Yankees did acquire right-handed pitcher Addison Russ, and like a lot of people felt on Twitter, I thought that said Addison Russell at first, who of course is an infielder for the Chicago Cubs, and nobody's a fan of him anymore for reasons that I will not talk about right now. Look that up by yourself if you want to know more about that. (laughs) But they acquired Addison Russ from the Philadelphia Phillies. And he's a 25-year-old right-hander. He's been very dominant over his minor league career so far with a 2.48 ERA and 200 strikeouts in 152 and two-thirds innings pitched, which really is good. He's at the Yankees alternate site in case the Yankees need him. And in exchange for him, the Yankees gave David Hale to Philadelphia. So David Hale, after being DFA'd, is now a Philadelphia Philly. (sighs) <sighs> All right, so that is your Yankees news for the week. That that really took a lot out of me. I'm just being honest. But that is your Yankees news for the week, guys. Let's get to the weekly recap, which again is just five games since this weekend series against the Mets was postponed because their one player and their one staff member came down with COVID-19. So we have the two final games in the Boston series and the three disastrous Tampa Bay games to recap, and then we'll end. So back to last Sunday when the Yankees played their third game of their four-game set against the Red Sox. Again, it was a night game, so that game had not happened by the time I recorded last week. But as I mentioned last Sunday, the Yankees had Jay Happ on the hill, which had most people thinking, hey, if we're going to lose a game to the Red Sox this weekend or at all this year, it's going to be when Jay Happ is on the mound. But believe it or not, believe it or not j-hap surprised us with five and two-thirds innings with just one earned run allowed walked two and only struck out three but hey listen listen to me if we get five and two-thirds with one run only out of j-hap in almost every start i will sign up for a start like that with j-hap hands down i will hands down i think any of you would also sign up for five and two-thirds of one run from j-hap so he had himself a nice start. The bullpen held it down after that, and the Yankees won that one 4-2. to Scoring-wise, in the bottom of the first, Mike Ford hit an RBI single, driving home Gio Urshela to make it 1-0 Yankees. And then in the bottom of the second, Aaron Hicks hit an RBI double, driving home Brett Gardner to make it 2-0. Then the Red Sox inched up a little bit in the top of the third when Kevin Pillar hit a solo shot off J Happ to make it 2-1. to As you know, that is the only run that J-Hap would give up on the night. Mike Ford then hit a two-run bomb to put the Yankees up 4-1 in the bottom of the third. The Yankees would not look back from there. The Red Sox would only put one more run up on the board in the top of the ninth on a fielding error by Zach Britton, who still got the save and at the time got his league-leading eighth save and closed out the game for the Yankees, sealing the 4-2 victory, and the Yankees would go for the sweep on Monday, and they would get it. They would win on Monday by the score of 6-3. This game was started by Jordan Montgomery, who only unfortunately went 3-2 and innings after he looked pretty good in the earlier part of the night when he was still in the game, although he got into some trouble when he was pitching in the 4th inning, but if you're wondering why he only went that long, it was because a bad storm came through on Monday night. But he did go 3-2, and only allowed the one run he gave up before the rain came in he struck out four guys and again he looked good but the rain came in resulted in an hour and a half rain delay so of course Jordan Montgomery could not come back out and pitch Avilan instead came out through an inning and a third did not allow a run. Michael King would come in after Avilan, pitched three innings only allowing one run. He would earn the victory on the night. And then a returning Aroldis Chapman on Monday night would pitch his first inning of 2020 just allowing one run but still looking strong in his return, striking out two guys. The velocity was there. He was throwing gas. And of course the main important thing is that the Yankees got the win and swept Boston again. As far as scoring, in the bottom of the second, Aaron Hicks hit an RBI double to make it one nothing. And then right after that driving Hicks home would be Luke Voigt on a two-run shot and Luke Voigt has just been red, red hot lately. In fact, one of the only hitters with a pulse in the Tampa Bay series this past week, which we'll get to momentarily, but he did hit this two-run shot to put the Yankees up 3-0. Then Christian Vasquez got the Red Sox on the board in the top of the fourth against Jordan Montgomery, the only run they would score off of him again, making it 3-1 on Vasquez's RBI single, and the Yankees wouldn't look back yet again after that because in the bottom of the fourth, Thyro Estrada, solo shot, made it 4-1. Luke Voigt again a solo shot, another home run, made it 5-1, then Alex Verdugo hit an RBI ground rule double to make it 5-2 Yankees, then Aaron Hicks got that run right back, solo shot in the bottom of the 7th to make it 6-2, and then the Yankees held on for the 6-3 victory to welcome in Tampa Bay after that. Whoop-dee-freaking-do. The complete negation of a fun series, at least for the Yankees. On Tuesday, the Yankees would lose 6-3 to Tampa after Tanaka just really had himself a rough start. Four innings, eight hits, six runs, five of them earned. Only two strikeouts and giving up two home runs. Just really not a pretty night for Tanaka. And the Yankees could have come back even though it was a very tough deficit to come back from. But they could have done it if not for lousy situational hitting. And errors and other things too But let's not get ahead of ourselves First of all, in the top of the third Michael Perez singled home Kevin Kiermaier to make it 1-0 Then Brandon Lau, who has killed the Yankees so far Hit a three-run shot to make it 4-0 Then in the bottom of the fourth The Yankees got on the board with a solo shot by Gary to make it 5-1 Then the Yankees would give the run right back in the top of the fifth Solo shot for Austin Meadows Then in the bottom of the fifth The Yankees would get two back With Luke Voigt hitting yet another home run A two-run shot to make it 6-3 Tampa example number one of as I said earlier Luke Voigt really being the only hitter in this series one of the only ones with a pulse and one of the many shining examples of lack of situational hitting came in the bottom of the seventh when the Yankees had bases loaded with one out and Luke Voigt which I can't get on him because he's been so incredible lately but he did look at strike three and then Gio Rochella grounded out Gio's been good too I can't get on him really but still the point still stands lack of situational hitting. They definitely could have done damage in that inning and have come back, but they didn't. Then on to Game 2. Now, this really took a frustrating turn in the series. This game and on Thursday were extremely frustrating. Garrett Cole would pitch in this game, go 6-2, and thirds, only allowing two runs on two solo shots, striking out 10 guys, and with the exception of those two solo shots, just two little mistakes, no big deal, but with the exception of those two solo shots, Garrett Cole looked solid as always, did not want to come out of the game before completing the seventh inning, even gave Aaron Boone that really bad death stare as I told you before, that death stare that anybody would be afraid of. He was disgusted with coming out of the game, not being able to complete the inning, cursed his way down to the clubhouse, remained frustrated for days afterwards, and reminded the world why the Yankees opened the bank for him because he is one of the fiercest competitors on the planet. I love having Garrett Cole on this team. As if I haven't said it enough, which if I haven't, I don't know when it could be enough, but I have said it plenty. This guy is the definition of an ace. Was not happy with being taken out, and the loss was not his fault, as you'll hear shortly. But in the top of the second and the top of the third, he did give up solo shots to G-Man Choi and Mike Zunino, respectively. And why to Mike Zunino, I can't tell you, because he bats 100, barely. And I know so many of you sabermetrics freaks love to just ignore batting average. You don't think it's important anymore. Fine, whatever. But you can't deny that a 100 batting average is pretty brutal. And I'm not talking like 180, 190, which is still bad, but I'm talking like 110, 100, that low. But in the bottom of the third, Luke Voigt, again, with his ninth home run of the year, solo shot to make a 2-1 to Tampa. And then in the bottom of the sixth, even though the Yankees probably could have scored more runs than this, at least they tied the game. Gio Rochella hit a sack fly, driving home Aaron Hicks to tie it at two. At this point, Garrett went out in the top of the seventh, got two outs, was really infuriated coming out of the game, as I told you earlier. But Zach Britton got the one more out to complete the seventh inning, and it was out of Garrett Cole's hands at that point. And thank God Zach Britton did finish that seventh inning without allowing the runner to cross home, because that would have been the go-ahead run, that would have been charged to Garrett Cole, and at which point, I think Garrett Cole would have put both his own head and and Zach Britton's head through the wall. So thank God, Zach Britton finished the 7th inning getting that one more out with the game still being tied. In the top of the 8th though for Zach Britton, the wheels would entirely fall off. Wild pitches, errors, hard hits driving runs home, and then as I mentioned in Yankees news before, he was then grabbing at his leg because he strained his hamstring. So everything fell apart, Mike Brasseau hit an RBI single off him to make it 3-2 Tampa. Willie Adamas hit an RBI single to make it 4-2, and that was the score they would win by. So just an awful, awful game. And then the Yankees would go into Thursday just hoping to salvage a game out of this series especially with Tampa right behind them in the standings because they had just won the prior two. But again, we're 25 games in now at this point. The playoffs are really what's important. I get it. Eight teams are going, so it's not that big of a concern, but you still want to win the division. Tampa is a tough team, and they're sustaining injuries of their own. But the Yankees are better, and they need to prove that by being able to beat them head-to-head. And so far, they haven't. With this third game combined now, they've played seven games against them. The Rays have won six of seven. So out of just the nine losses the Yankees have this season, six of them are from Tampa. You need to beat Tampa Bay. But they would not do that on Thursday, and Thursday was quite possibly an even worse day, filled with more injuries and more disastrous outcomes. James Paxton, who didn't have an awful game, didn't have a good game either. He pitched five innings, allowed three runs, all of them earned. He did walk four people, so that really bit him, but he did strike out eight people at the same time, so we did see some good things out of Paxton again, but also not dominant James Paxton. Not like the one we saw in Game 5 of the ALCS last year, and not like the one that we saw up until the 7th inning in his prior start against the Rays at the Trop. In his last 2 or 3 starts, it really just seems that he has 1 inning where people just really get to him. He's given up his runs in 1 inning. But the game did start off good. In the bottom of the 1st, Luke Voigt, again, 10th home run of the season, solo shot, gave the Yankees a one nothing lead right away. Glaber Torres grounded out, driving home Mike Talkman to make it 2-0, and then in the top of the fifth, Paxton would have his rough inning of the day, would also be his last inning. Joey Wendell, two-run double, who really was just a pest for the Yankees this series as well, especially in this final third game, tied the game at 2. Then Mike Brusso again, sack fly to make it 3-2. James Paxton came out of the game at that point. And then in the bottom of the fifth, Gio Urshela hits a two-run shot to put the Yankees up 4-3. And at this point, you think the Yankees are going to hold on, win a great game, and salvage a game in this series. Nope, not at all. That is not what happened. In the top of the sixth, Adam Adovino and Luis Avilan came in, and both were off their game. Margot hit an RBI single to tie the game at four. Joey Wendell hit an RBI single to put the Rays ahead again, five to four. And then the big blow by 100 batting average Mike Zanino. A three-run shot to put them over eight to four. At this point, you're just pulling your hair out. But in the bottom of the sixth, Luke Voigt would get a run back for the Yankees, hitting an RBI single driving Tyler Wade home to make it eight-five Tampa. But then Tampa sealed the deal for sure in the top of the ninth when Yandi Diaz hit a two-run shot to make it 10-5, and that's how the Yankees would lose and get swept at home for the first time in years. 2017, in fact, at the end of August, so exactly three years ago against the Cleveland Indians back in 2017. That was the last time the Yankees got swept at home. So it's been a while, and it was a really, really insufferable series between injuries, lack of situational hitting on the Yankees' behalf, errors, giving a Tampa team who was effectively hitting in situational spots too many opportunities, just bad pitching in big spots... And the Rays pitching was just too good for the Yankees. And I'll take it a step further. Even bad in-game managing at times by Aaron Boone. And you know I don't like to blame Aaron Boone for a lot of things. But there were some times in this series where his decisions really made you scratch your head. Especially times where you could have used another arm out of the bullpen when all the other arms are struggling. Maybe bringing in Chad Green or not leaving Zach Britton in for that long in the Wednesday game. While Adam Adavino seemed to be warmed up. He had other options, and he would just be sitting there watching the game just collapse. I mean, we didn't see Chad Green in the last two games, and he even said afterwards that he was available, so where was he when you needed him? You'd rather bring in the Avilans and the Holders and the Sessas, or leave guys like Zach Britton in there to pitch nearly two innings and around 30 pitches and just get totally killed out there, when he visibly had nothing left. So just a couple of moments in this series, really, Aaron Boone even made you scratch your head. So, the Yankees in the Rays series, situational hitting, hitting with runners in scoring position, manufacturing runs, we saw little to none of that. Kevin Cash just absolutely outclassing Aaron Boone with in game managing, and even with pinch hitting decisions, too. When the Yankees were trying to come back in the Wednesday game, and instead of leaving Mike Talkman in the game, who kills lefties, just because of the lefty-righty matchup, Boone takes out Talkman and Pinch hits Miguel and Duhar, a struggling Andujar who's barely gotten playing time up to this point this year. And what did Andujar do as I anticipated in that moment when he pinch hit for Talkman? He had an awful at-bat, struck out on 3 pitches easily. And I'm not saying Talkman definitely would have done something in that situation, but I think he had a better chance in Duhar, regardless of a lefty-righty matchup, especially since Talkman is known to hit left-handed pitching well. And even so, in general, right now, he's just the better option. So some things, it just makes you scratch your head a little bit. But between things from Aaron Boone like that, the situational hitting... The Rays pitching just being too good, giving the Rays offense, who was doing very well with situational hitting, just too many scoring opportunities with walks, errors, it just wasn't a fun time. But in the future, the Yankees really need to prove that they can beat Tampa Bay head on. Again, six out of their nine losses are from Tampa alone. The Yankees are clearly doing very well against everybody else. They've got to beat Tampa. They're too important. They're a division rival. They are the main ones battling the Yankees for the division. And they are the ones you need to beat in these head-to-head matchups. They're a good team. They're scrappy. They've got plenty of pests on their team, but you've got to learn to beat them. And hopefully they could do it more effectively when, of course, the Yankees get more guys back from injury. But really quick, let me let you know what's ahead before we end here today. Of course, this weekend series, as I've said many times throughout this show against the Mets that was supposed to be happening starting Friday and ending this afternoon, did not happen because their one player and one staff member on the Mets did test positive for COVID, so it was canceled. As far as the rest of the week is concerned, CERN. Tomorrow, the Yankees have an off day. On Tuesday and Wednesday, they will be facing the Braves again, but this time in Atlanta for another quick two-game series. Garrett Cole will be on the mound on Tuesday, and Masahiro Tanaka will be on the mound Wednesday for the Yankees. Both games will be at 7.10 p.m. Eastern. On Thursday, the Yankees are off again. And starting next Friday for a three-game series, the Yankees are slated to play the Mets yet again, this time in Yankee Stadium for three games. The first game on Friday will be at 7.05 p.m. Eastern. The game on Saturday will be at 1.05 p.m p.m. Eastern as well as the Sunday game that'll also be at 105 and we don't know yet for sure but I think it's pretty safe to assume that we could very well be seeing some double headers next weekend when the Yankees are supposed to see the Mets again to make up for the games that were supposed to be happening for this weekend but we'll see for sure with that and as always to stay tuned for updates like that and all other kinds of things for the Yankees Be sure to stay tuned to my social medias, especially my Twitter, at Mike Scudero, where I usually post updates on these things whenever they happen throughout the week. But as for now, guys, that is all for episode 60 of Yapping Yankees today. One last shout out to Team Left Jab and Grunt Talks MLB. Team Left Jab features Team Left Jab Uncensored and the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. Go follow Team Left Jab on all social media platforms at Team Left Jab and check out their sports content across anywhere that you find podcasts. You can find them on Apple, Spotify, Blog Talk Radio, iHeart, you name it. The list goes on. Be sure to check out... Team Left Jab. And our other shout-out goes to Grunt Talks MLB. Visit their website, grunttalksmlb.com, to see all of their baseball content and where they feature Yapping Yankees. Also, follow the main man behind the website, Darren, on Twitter, at Yankee Report 28. Special thanks to Grunt Talks MLB and Team Left Jab for helping spread the word every week about Yapping Yankees. Also, guys, be sure to follow me on all social media so you can keep up on the latest having to do with me personally Along with the Yankees and Yapping Yankees announcements, content, and Twitter and Instagram polls every Saturday, you can find my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. You can find me on Twitter at Mike Scudero and on Instagram at Mike Scuds. 97. And I'd also really appreciate it if you guys took the time to hit that subscribe button on the Yapping Yankees YouTube channel, and also subscribe and always listen to Yapping Yankees on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify as well. And while you're at it, listen back to the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you've missed. Episodes 34 up to this one, episode 60, are available on YouTube, and all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You know that Yapping Yankees is available on all four of those platforms, so do help spread the word and tell everybody you know to listen to Yapping Yankees. Once again, thank you 3,000 for listening to me yap today. I am Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, August 30th when I come at you with episode 61 of Yapping Yankees. Until then, hang in there, be patient, please stay safe out there, look out for your loved ones, and for the love of God, let's pray for speedy Yankee injury recovery Enough already with these injuries. Have a good one, guys. Take care.